0: Hello, James.
1: Oh, hello, Tori. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, just fantastic. Stoked to be back for another episode of Coffee Chatter.
0: Yeah, I'm just sitting here with one of the goats, Sam Willoughby. How's it going, Sam?
2: Good, boys. I'm excited. What
0: an intro song. We've gotten so fantastic much hate on the intro
1: song. <laughs> you know,
0: Sam likes it, so it's good enough for me. Um, yeah. James, this is the first time we have an in-studio guest.
1: Pretty exciting. First in studio. I'm out of studio, but it's cool to have you know you guys together there.
0: I know. I'm a little nervous for this podcast because it's the first time I'm face to face with someone, and people are excited for this one. We got to deliver.
1: But <laughs> pretty much, you can't just start you know zoning off and looking at the TV screen. Now. You actually got to pay attention. And
0: we can't do our usual like million little gestures behind the camera now. <laughs> They're gonna know what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, before we get into things, um, thanks to ProGate Europe, winning starts with a great gate. As was true with Joris on day one in Manchester, ProGate is the official gate of the World Cup circuit including Manchester, the World Championships in Zolder and the Olympic Games.
1: Right on, and also we want to shout out to Motorsheets.com. Uh, it's actually run by the Webster Brothers and their dad and uh, they do instant race scoring and host many other features to make race organization fast and simple. Um, so if you guys want some more information on their products, check out their websites, Motosheets.com.
0: Dude, two sponsors and brand new mics. Who are we?
1: Dude, we're getting legit. we got ProGate on here, the best ProGates around. we got motorsheets.com They're telling us they don't want no issues like we had in Zolder. They want their stuff cleans. They're like, let's get a shout-out on here.
0: <laughs> I feel like we didn't give Sam a good enough intro, so let's re-intro him.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, let's give him a good intro. It's weird. Normally, we'd always talk this... And then, we, you know, we hype up our guests, but we got a goat on the show today. Yeah,
0: he started with us. So let's hype him up. So we got two-time Olympian, Olympic silver medalist, three-time USA BMX national champion, two-time, what world, two-time Sam, world champion. What was
1: it, 13 USA BMX races in a row?
0: Yep. <laughs> Sam Willoughby. <laughs> How's it going, Sam? <laughs> Doing good, boys.
2: Where are we right now? We are in my living room, Elise and I's living
0: room. Dining room, I guess you could call it. He made me a delicious coffee, James, out of his rocket espresso machine.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous right
0: now. And dude, I splurged. I let him splurge me. I, I, he spoiled me. I had a whole milk latte instead of almond milk.
1: It's about time. Yeah, Sam. He always drinks those stupid other ones. Or like, you like your long blacks you like? It's good. You made me actually get a real coffee.
2: Yeah, we don't even have almond milk, so it wasn't an option. How was, how was it's,
1: ma- not, it's not even
0: milk. <laughs> how was Manchester saying?
2: It was good. I, um... I thoroughly enjoy, as a spectator now, that is the best place to go. I was up in the press box. It was quiet. It looked like you had a good seat. I had the bird's eye view of the place. It was, um, really enjoyed it, yeah. How'd you get the press box ticket? I didn't. I just rode the lift to level
0: two and wheeled my way in there and- And It's like, welcome back, Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Willoughby. And I just made myself a part of the crew. How, how was it like coaching Elise and Anthony there at the World Cup?
2: It was good. Um, I had Lauren there as well, and I oh, like so yeah. Posey a little bit. Um, it was good. We yeah, it was a good weekend. Obviously, it would have been nice if Elise could have sealed the deal on the last day. But um, nonetheless, a lot of learning done, and um, it's it's fun, man. That's what that's what sport is. Competition. That's yeah. what I love, and that's what they love, and um, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. James, how's Manchester?
1: Dude, I wish I could say the same, but my weekend was absolute trash, bro. <laughs> Dude, it was so bad. So Friday, I ended up waking up feeling like shit. Got, I must be getting sick. Friday, uh, took the lightest practice ever, and then basically got minimal sleep Friday night. Was like up sweating all night. Woke up with the shit Saturday morning, and was just like, didn't eat any breakfast. Was on the toilet the whole morning, just trying to get by, and yeah. <laughs> that basically just started a shit weekend, <laughs> literally.
0: No kidding, Jeez.
1: Yeah, so weekend kind of sucked for myself. Tried to ride Saturday, was obviously had no energy. I didn't eat anything all morning. Didn't work, gave it a go. Sunday was feeling a little better Sunday, so gave it another go. Couldn't make anything happen, really, so chalked that one up as a loss.
0: <laughs> yeah, on to the next one. Yeah, how'd you feel in racing? Did you feel crap, low energy?
1: Uh, at the weekend or now? Yeah, on the weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, it was terrible. Like I to be honest, <laughs> morning, I was trying to walk up the hill for like the gates and I was getting exhausted by the time I got to the top. So, I did two gates, called her practice and just waited for motos. How
0: was the and atmosphere? It was, Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say just how was how was the atmosphere and how was the atmosphere and <laughs> overall like everything racing there because I know like obviously I'm not a big fan of the track. I think it's kind of dangerous. Obviously they have changed it, but um, I always thought the atmosphere in there was really good.
1: I think it normally is too, yeah. I think it was awesome, especially when the GPB guys were doing well. But since we have these two days, I feel like the crowd was a little smaller, honestly. Like it made it maybe I was in a bad mood or something. I just (laughs) couldn't tell, but it just felt like I feel like the crowd used to be like packed before and I didn't feel the same this year with the two day race.
0: Dude, I thought that since Sam, what do you think? I thought that since the two day format came into fruition that it hurts the the turnout for the races.
2: It definitely takes a little bit of the intensity away. But that being said it is it is nice to have, you, you know, you fly all the way over there, it's nice to have two goes at it, and it automatic. I think with the, the low-budget sport that we're in, it it automatically creates a, a bigger series, because you get, you know, you can do five rounds, which means ten rounds, really, so, yeah, I think you have to do it, but yeah, definitely, I, I felt it, like, it was, the intensity drops a bit, because everyone's got that mentality
0: of, oh, there's tomorrow, and, yeah. I agree, like, I think in our sport, obviously, it's low-budget, we're not Monster Energy Supercross. <laughs> Um, but I kind of like the one day, just because I don't think we should get two shots at a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: I, don't know. I, I think it's good. I think, I think we have to do it, just to, just to be able to get more bang for our buck. Mm. But um, yeah, it defin- I, I definitely hear what you're saying, it takes
0: a bit of the intensity away. Let me tell you though, this is one of the first World Cups, James, I've watched, like full-on full on webcast. The camera work was horrific. <laughs> so the, I heard that. like they're in the gate for the semi-final and the final and there's no camera guy on the hill with the headshots even
2: They were doing that like bird's eye view Yeah, yeah.
0: And I, like you need the headshots to, to okay. showcase each rider and then the elite women's main went on Saturday it was completely black for the whole main. We just saw him cross the finish line. No way. Really? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a little, I was a little disappointed James That was my first rant the camera work like I know we're not a high level or we're a high-level sport But I know we're not a high-budget sport, but where's the camera guy on the hill?
1: Honestly, yeah, we have minimal cool things going for us. I feel like now, I feel like our coolness is just getting chopped down lower and lower. And that was one of the things we got. You make it to the semi, the main, you get a quick headshot, you can see who's in the final. Yeah. And then it's kind of like you get hyped up, basically. The right. I saw that too on first day. I was like, what's going on? Like, that is, it's not the same whatsoever.
2: The second day, didn't they intro everyone in the semi final, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I think they did a little differently. I think, I don't know if the semi, if they realized it. Or sorry, the second day, yeah, they they realized the first day was crap, and then they changed it, because I know for at least the main events, I'm not sure about the semis on day two, they did the headshots. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the second day, I just watched the first day. Um, but yeah, I was a little disappointed with that, because why not have the guy with on the hill with the headshots? They've had that since World Cups came um, into the sport. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think... My um,
1: only guess is maybe they messed it up, they forgot the first day.
2: <laughs> yeah, and when the gate drops, like when the gate's about to drop... It, you have to be, like, it has to be a front-on view so you can see all eight riders.
0: Yeah, oh like, my god, they zo- do that zoom-in thing uh, and you can't see anyone. Like the bird's eye oh, thing I hate they're that. just on top of. Stop being artistic. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my rant, James. Anything else on Manchester we need to cover?
1: Uh, Let's talk racing. Let's talk racing. So let's talk day one, I guess, to start. The girls, I mean, uh, the big. I think the big thing on day one with the girls was Lauren and Elise's blow up in the first turn. They came together, unfortunately. That kind of sucked.
0: Oh, that was nice. I like Sam's videotaping.
1: <laughs> did, you see, did you see Al's story, James? I don't think I, I... I can't remember if I... I probably saw, but I can't remember now.
0: Yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of commentary. Yeah, there's, uh, there's commentary. Was there's I'm, commentary.
2: Pretty, I'm pretty vocal behind the camera.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I thought Laura and Elise looked really good.
1: Yeah, they did. I think Felicia honestly looked really good, too. I'm re- pretty sure she crashed in the first qualifying one or maybe didn't make it through or something but honestly she was looking fast after that too and same with Lazavaire I was yeah. watching her she was hauling ass yeah Lazavaire put in the show yeah is, that was cool to see is Saya all right
0: from her crash the first day
1: dude I don't know that was gnarly hey yeah brutal that was that just like sums up one of those things that sums up man of that tight first jump you just get your wheel chopped in the air
0: yeah yeah, that's that was tough
1: just the way those the Brendan girls' then, semis lined then, up. Then yeah, Simone win the final. She came in pretty clutch there.
0: Yeah, the way the girls' semis lined up was pretty gnarly. Yeah, the first day it was like that was like the top
2: probably the arguably the top five girls were in that first semi and yeah. And then three of three of them crashed and Laura, Elise, and uh Saya. So yeah, but I thought it was cool to see Simone win and she's someone that's worked hard and has been yeah. around the mark for a long time now, so um and then obviously working with Liam, and so I was, I was happy to see them. Yeah, it's kind, win.
0: it's kind of cool to see a first-time winner at a World Cup, you know? Like, especially someone like Simona, she's been around the series for a long time.
1: Yeah, taking a, you know, having Liam as the coach, handing down the reins of the uh, King of Manchester to her. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, probably, just, probably just brought a, a tear to the number 65's eye
2: yeah he it was, was like, like if he
1: can't do at least one of the athletes
2: right? <laughs> well it was funny after on day one the f- men's final because graf was probably one of the favorites going into the men's final and simona just won and i said to um who i was sitting with i said oh, i've if, if graf wins this uh liam and grant are still undefeated here But wow, I think good I kinda, point <laughs> i think i kind of put the mockers on <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah but dude how about kai I honestly, the, even the first day, like there, he was in that big explosion in the semi the first day with the, the men's guy. He was still on it that day too. He yeah. was bound to win one of the days in Manchester, I think.
0: And like I didn't see the final the second day. I obviously you just texted me. I texted you and asked who who did well, who won, or whatever. And you said Graf was winning and slid out. And I was wondering, like I was like, oh, I was wondering if Graf whole shot obviously and then was riding excited or whatever and made a mistake. But it didn't even look like he did much. It looked like he just washed.
1: Yeah, honestly, he just took the turn. Like I guess a little. Uh, yeah no you Dude. Just wash off. <laughs> my heart
0: breaks for him, yeah <laughs> my heart breaks for him, yeah <laughs> he didn't really do anything
2: wrong. no, that, he didn't like it just that turn maybe you had to maybe ride that have turn those pretty tight tires and, yeah,
0: on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The turn kind of flattens out, doesn't it? It just yeah,
2: you had to cover like yeah, it's pretty yeah. flat in the entrance, so everyone was like right on the whatever you want
0: to call it hay bale tough block yeah. white line there. I was just rewatching some videos and I watched you a couple of years ago do that. Or hit your pedal on the ground coming out, chasing Lane. Coming Lynn. out of the top, yeah. yes. Uh yeah. I fell for was, him, James.
1: I fell for him, too. That was a bummer. It would have been cool to see him race to the line, with, especially with Kai, too. Because, yeah, I mean, Kai was going for it. He was probably digging for that win to begin with. So it would have been a cool finish if he didn't slide out.
0: Yeah. And shout-out to friend of the show, Joris, on another good win first day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Came on clutch there.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go. Get... on
1: day two, well, I was going to say, day two, that, uh, well, Tugas was going fast day, too. That was really cool to see. I had to shout him out. But also, had that Colombian dude, whole shot of the semi. Um, with, I, can't, I don't really know his name, so Diego, I don't want to say it, Diego but,
0: Arboleda. Uh, I felt like that was kind of out of nowhere. He's got right. four names. Diego Arboleda. He's good, dude. Like, um, he's, yeah. been, he's been coming up really well. And I remember I raced him in Medellin two years ago when I was there. I was winning the semi, and I was hitting the second straight, thinking I was hitting it really good, and he blew past me like I was standing still. <laughs> He's, he's legit. Like I, th- I feel like he's been under the radar, but if you, if you watch him right, he's, he's really good. He's got a pretty good package overall. So he, yep. he won the semi from lane one, right? And then he picked lane eight in the final. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing he didn't have first pick.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But well, that's he, it. Was, he was hauling ass. He yep. jumped double manual in the semi into the first turn. It was pretty bad.
0: He's, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of skill. He's good. All right, James, should we get into Sam?
1: Yeah, let's move on to the main segment of the show.
0: (laughs) All right, Sam, besides Manchester and coaching, uh, let's talk a little about you. How's your, first of all, how's your recovery going and kind of where are you at now with things?
2: Yeah, so, um, I mean, I chipped, it was always, obviously my injury was very high up. I broke my C6 vertebrae in my neck, so I was um, paralyzed, basically, from the neck down at the start, and, um, yeah... When I first got hurt, the the it was really just an unknown. Really, just one of those things you don't they don't really give you much. And um, I really th- I was I was laying in a bed for two weeks on my back, and um, I really thought at that point my my way out of it was to walk, and that was kind of my goal. Um, and I didn't really know what the magnitude of my injury was. And about two weeks in, they sat me up, basically they like, pulled me up and sat me on the end of the bed, and I I fainted, and I didn't really even sit up they kind of just held me up and that was when I realized like I had nothing from the neck down so that was kind of an eye-opener to then go into my recovery process and I mean I, I did therapy six days a week for two years and just trying to get as much back as I could and to get I've gotten to the point where I'm at now and where I live an independent life is is huge that's something they said I would never do and um, so that's been a huge accomplishment for me. I still chip away at therapy every day, mainly from health benefits just to, you know, keep my bones strong, um, avoid atrophying and, and just stay healthy really. Um, but I, as of right now it's, yeah, I continue to try to get as much back as I can, but it, it's hard to, it's a hard question to answer cause there's really no, like I can't, it's not like an ACL injury where I can say, Oh you know my hamstring's getting stronger or whatever, yeah. and my knees' more stable and I'll be good in two weeks like you know I may never walk again that's the reality of it, and that's something i I have to be okay with and um and keep moving forward but there's plenty of things that I do do and can do that um to live a pretty good quality of life yeah
0: so yeah you've obviously hammered your rehab since mm-hmm. you've had your accident um and you're also going to the gym a lot too (laughs) yeah
2: so i get in the gym quite a bit which has been huge for me just from a a a mental standpoint but also be physical just to obviously my there was a time when i didn't know if i was going to be able to you know use my arms at all really so to be able to you know get in the gym and get and move myself around get in a car by myself you know pack my wheelchair up by myself you know travel by myself do all these things it's huge like it's and until you are at that level where I was at, where you are on the verge of realizing your mobility and freedom is completely gone, you don't realize how much you appreciate the ability to move. And, um, so for me, the gym is just, uh, mentally, it's huge just to be able to get in there and just be a meathead and, <laughs> um, and, and just have fun. And, and that, that's what I love. That's what I loved about sport was the training and the, the preparation and just pushing myself and, um, it's it's been a really good outlet for me. So, yeah.
0: and your arms are fucking huge, James. <laughs> did you see the size of his arms? I swear they get bigger every time I see him.
1: Absolute pipe show. Is Shawnee even able to keep up? He's not able to keep up with you, is he? I'm
2: going to the gym with Shawnee today. I haven't been we haven't been in a, in about a month. So, um, he's still he's still got me on the stability part, but um, <laughs> but
0: I, I've got him on heart. <laughs> <laughs> You've got him on heart. <laughs> Um, So obviously, you've made the transition from. We touched on it a bit earlier. As uh, you're a coach now for Elise, um, Lauren, Anthony, and Justin.
2: Yeah. So um, it started out. Obviously, the main thing was for me to be helping Elise, and um, and then I've sort of accumulated a small little group of just good friends and um, people that have always kind of been close to me, and um, and people that have the same beliefs as as I do and share the same philosophy I guess and um, and just try to help as much as I can but it started yeah the main thing was obviously just being there for Elise and um, after everything we had been through it was just kind of a no-brainer to be there in her corner and um, and and work at this thing together and be as much support as I can to her and you know if it, it thankfully I have sort of the skills in this area to help her um if it ever got to the point where i wasn't the person to help her it's like then i would do whatever i could in any other way to to help her you know it's just a it's a no-brainer really the fit so
0: how's that kind of transition been like do you is it was it weird being a coach at first going to the races and coaching or is it normal now and like do you enjoy it i love it it's Yeah. yeah it's it's no different for me honestly because what i
2: loved about bmx was competition that's that's what i embraced of it and it was never For me, I think the realization I've come to since my injury and obviously my retirement was somewhat forced um, and not the way you choose to go out, but it's just opened my eyes to so many things. And one of the things was what I realized I loved about BMX and that was competition and and just the struggle, you know, that struggle of waking up every day and being like, I'm going to put everything I can into this, knowing that it entitles me to nothing. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly the mentality of my injury. You know, I have to wake up every day you know unscrunch myself like a scrunched up piece of paper in the morning and and embrace that struggle to go through the day knowing that it doesn't guarantee anything it doesn't guarantee i'm going to walk again it doesn't but enjoying still putting my best foot forward so to speak um and that's what i love about like i'm a maniac with the coaching i mean i just sit there all night and assess and you know review elisa's stuff and the guys i'm helping and try to just be the best help i can be for them and and I like the weekend. I just I love that. I love sitting yeah. up there. I love going there and just you know trying to help them and going to battle as a united force. And like we're just you know here to try to win the race. And like there's no guarantees. And there's but when you do win, it it feels so good. And yeah, you can't. It's hard to replace that. So yeah, the transition. Honestly, other than the physic, obviously that the hardship of my injury yeah. sucks. But the transition to coaching, it, it's fine. I mean, I just. I love it as much as I loved racing because it's the same mentality that I had when I raced. It's just in a different role. and um, I've often said if I could wake up tomorrow and be normal, or quote-unquote normal, I physically, I don't think I'd race again just because I got what I wanted out of it and I've realized that the thing that I liked about it, I can get in so many other avenues
0: of life. So, yeah. I think it's an awesome outlook, especially you know, in general, whether you're coaching or a rider, like working hard without any guarantee, because that's what sport is, that's what high level sport is. And I feel like a lot of people that aren't successful think because they train they should get a result. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of top athletes, like no no top athlete thinks that. No, no,
2: it doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's you've really just gotta enjoy that yeah. that challenge.
1: Yeah, it's really cool to hear like how your passion has kind of switched to that now. And now and my question is for you then, is like now that you are the coach, do you view the sport differently? Like when you watch the world cups do you what do you see now?
2: No, I think I have this a pretty similar outlook on it um I think the the successful ones are the ones that you know show up with a plan they show up with they have a good understanding of of why they're good. That's one thing that i am just huge on. I think you gotta know why you're good and you gotta know what makes you good and and show up and execute those those skills in, under, in competition, you know, and, um, uh, you know, one of my, probably my biggest pet peeves is people that say, oh, you know, I need, um, you know, I, I, I need the big lights or I perform under the lights or I need this and I need that. Um, that's not really having an understanding of, of you or why you're good. And so I just love those people that show up and they have a, you know, they have a plan and they have a good understanding of what makes them good. And they, and they can do it on the day um i don't yeah i don't really look at the racing to to answer your question i guess i don't really look at it much differently to what i always did i just i mean i I feel a little obviously a lot more (laughs) less in control of the situation now um but yeah i don't i don't look at it too differently i think i have the same approach of it
1: yeah Tori always says when he was watching sav it was more nerve-wracking now (laughs) it's you as a coach and you're having your wife as one of your riders is a, a lot more nerve wracking. Oh
2: uh, yeah, I'm a re, I'm a wreck. When, I, <laughs> <laughs> when, when Elise is going up to race, and any of the guys, Anthony. Because um, your job's done at that but, point, right? Uh, you can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, my job's done, but also just I just want to see them do well. Like I yeah. just, you know, I, genuinely, I, I love, yeah. you know, obviously love Elise and love Anthony as a friend and Posey and those guys, and and you want to see them do well, and you know, there's no guarantees and. So part of me is like, you know how bad it, in a way, you know how bad it can go, but then you also know how good it can go and you're just in the middle and it's just <laughs> like, but I, I love it as well. Like I just, I mean, I'm always have kind of warmer my heart on my sleeve a bit yeah. to, to my detriment at points. And um, so I'm pretty like vocal behind the camera filming and just like, I'm in it as much as they're in it. And yeah, it's, it's fun. I like it.
0: <laughs> so now, now that you're... Um a coach in the sport, what do you see as kind of an issue in the sport now or maybe, have you noticed anything that could maybe be improved? From what standpoint? <laughs> just, as, just kind of viewing the sport in general, like do you think something could be improved in the sport? Do you see like an issue kind of in mm. the sport or anything like that that you've noticed?
2: Yeah, I think at the professional level, probably the participation sides too. I think we need to do a better job of separating the the top end and the, and the other yeah. end but I think we also need to do a better job of making it okay to be at the participation level and encouraging that and that the the pathway is not only you know show up and race world cups and Mm. it's it's okay to to race 17 to 18x or whatever it is now it's okay to go to the world championships and win a challenge world title it's okay to do all that that's that's great because that's still enjoying sport that's still competition that's still but i think people get lost in is that and i think we as a sport allow everyone to you know, like, what do you have to do? To show up at a World Cup? Just you, you just show up. Like it's, it. There's no real separation there, and um, and even on the ABA side, I mean, you look at the pro classes now. It's like there's like 10 pro classes. Like I, yes. I'm sitting there waiting to film, and it's like, <laughs> what is Supercross open? What are you talking yeah. about? Like, yeah, the to me it's it, the, There's the there's the top, and then there's there's You know, there's professional and there's amateur, and, and that's it. Like there yeah. there doesn't need to be any like in between and um I think if we did a better job of development and um and I think we're getting there now. I think we went through a weird stage where like the the coaching in our sport at the top level was like the guys that came in to coach were like they'd never even really done what the sport had now become. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and yeah. no one had. It was all new. I mean it's mm. only been it's really hasn't it's not much more than ten years that Superpress right. has been around so it's like now we're kind of getting to the point i think where you're seeing like obviously like liam guys like myself and then there's obviously the a few coaches like grant and mm-hmm. um sean and probably a few more thomas that have the skill set to still coach at this level but i think now you're seeing a transition of people coming through where they actually have they've been there done that and they or they've and you don't necessarily have had to do, done the sport to coach it i'm not saying that but it was a new sport basically Mm -hmm. like supercross level world cup level it's like a whole new sport and i think now we're just getting to the level where we're figuring out how to develop for it and how to move forward and that's why i think you see the level raising so much um yeah
0: yeah i I agree and i think now too like the sport is so geared toward the olympics that a lot of people A lot of pros these days um, are so involved with their national team and want to do well at the World Cups and make the Olympics that they're not as concerned about making a living anymore, whereas in the past, you know, that was one of the main goals was to make a living Mm -hmm. in the sport as a pro.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's just a... it just In BMX, it's like everything seems so... I think because it is such a small industry and a small world, it's just like you really do feel like you're just... I think everyone feels like they're like one step away from making it. And, And in reality, they're not but I think everyone just feels like they're like right on the verge because they have access to everything. I mean, you can, you go to Tuesday night gates or whatever it is and you line up next to the Olympic champion and it's like, I was, I wasn't far off. Like like two bikes back. Yeah. So then in in everyone's mind, they're like one step behind. I mean, part of me, part of me thinks it's admirable that some of these guys keep keep going to like they've been going to world cups for 10 years and you know never made it out the eights final and it's like it's admirable that you keep going back but at what point i don't know i think we need to get to a point where it's okay to say to someone you don't have it at this level yes if you love racing bmx great go back and and do it that's great there's still plenty of races for you to race but you don't need to keep coming here
0: like, yeah it's okay to race a pro it, and not race a world cup it's does it, fine does it's, it mean you're a failure <laughs> it's still very adamant. yeah
2: it's still great you can still you know make a good little bit of pocket money you can enjoy the sport yeah. you can yeah there's still plenty of things to do there so
0: hell it's okay to race elite and like normal tracks are not super gross mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah there are a lot of parents that are just hating you and being like you know what no my kid is you know, <laughs> 10 novice but he's going to the osho business <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's okay to dream
1: <laughs> so i guess kind of moving on to your career sam we wanted to kind of get into that because i mean you're what we consider one of the go to the sport um so kind of i guess the main big question is what do you think made your career so successful
0: we just hit him with it right away <laughs> we like, just, <laughs> just hit him That's with a it question
1: but i mean we want to know
2: i think i think i had a good understanding of like i said before i think i had a good understanding of what made me good and i mean that i knew exactly um exactly the mentality that 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 i required on the day and and i brought that mentality every day of the week and i think that was probably my biggest strength is that i could show up on monday at gates at the local track and i could bring the same quality effort that i would bring to a world championship or an olympic game because i feel like i had a really good understanding of how to get the best out of myself. And I would say that's probably my biggest strength. Um, and my attention to detail was probably at times a flaw, but it was necessary for me because I, a lot of my career, I really did it on my own. I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of, you know, a, a coach at a lot of times. And, um, and that's probably my biggest regret. I wish I would have had that. And it just wasn't possible because I was over in America and. You know, I just—it's not. I couldn't. You know, you can't. I can't afford to pay a full-time person. You know, to be with me every second of the day. But when I had that and that sense of camaraderie and that sense of team and going to war together, that—that I really liked that. You know, I grew up playing football, and I just—I really love that aspect of sport. And that—I guess—that's what I try to bring now to to Elise, especially. Is just like I'm here. I'm in your corner, and like there's no alternative motives. It's just me and you, let's figure this out, and let's make you the best you can be, and um, that's something I wish I would have had, you know, I was always envious of, like, Grant and Liam, and the relationship they had, and, you know, that day-to-day, you show up to training, to, and you and you figure it out together, and you go to war together, and you have someone to lean on, you know, at those toughest times under pressure, and um, I felt like when I had that in my career at times of Sean and with Wade, and that was when I was at my best but I think yeah what made me probably I think what why I had success was just that understanding of what made me good and what I needed to do to, to get the best out of myself
0: well yeah what do you think James I mean
1: yeah you definitely did get the best out of yourself it seems like but <laughs> sometimes I'm kind of curious now too quickly you talk about you worked with Sean I know Dwight for a I think a long time, but mm-hmm. did you also work with Wade for a bit? Like, what were, when were the years that you switched or did that?
2: Yeah, so I, when I was 15, I got put into an, a development squad in Australia. It was called a Talent ID squad. And Wade was appointed the coach of that. That was back in 2006. And so that, from that point, I worked with Wade from 2006 through till probably around 2011. And it was great. You know, we were, he was, I was in Australia still at that time, um, and he um, taught me a lot. Just from the, we, we were similar in our attention to detail and just our process driven mentality. Um, and Wade had obviously been to America, and that was my dream at that point was to get to America and, and win an ABA title. That was that was everything to me. Um, and so he kind of helped guide that pathway, and uh, we. And it was pretty cool in two thousand ten. I won my first ABA title which was exactly and he was there with me um and that was exactly 10 years after he won his first so that was a a pretty cool cool moment um and then basically in 2011 we kind of we kind of just I don't I don't want to say grew apart but it just I like I said before I really wanted that hands-on help I really embraced that I loved I'm a people person at heart and um I just love it when I have someone in my corner that I feel like we're we're working together, we're going to war together and we're gonna solve this together and um and I was in America, he was back in Australia and I just I didn't feel like I had that with that relationship, you know, I found that really hard to be like just get an email and a piece of paper and, you know, go do this. Like I understand that there's more to it than that. And so I kind of just went and I really, I guess, quote unquote, like every BMXer says, did my own thing. And, um, <laughs> and um, there I was sort of going into London and just kind of, I trained myself really for the last sort of 12 months leading up to London and, and at London and, and it wasn't ideal, to be honest. It was just, uh, it's tough. It's, I think it's delusional to think that you can go and just do it all by yourself and but at that point, I just that I felt that was my only real option at that point, so I just kind of dug my head in the sand and did it. Um, and obviously, I went. I had a really good year in 2012. I got the silver medal, won the world title, the World Cup title, and ended up winning the ABA title. But after <laughs> London, I realized that I that wasn't possible to keep doing that. You know, like
0: it, it wasn't sustainable. Nah. So no. So
2: I it was really after London I changed everything. I just I'd kind of seen. I'd always had a a bit of a thing that I always wanted to work with Sean. Like I'd known Sean forever. He was Australian and, um, he coached so many guys before you so many guys, and, guys. Yeah. And he's just got that like personality that's kind of like in your face, but he can instill confidence in you. Yeah. And he's like, and he's very knowledgeable in many ways. And, um, so once London was over, I, he was coaching Elise, and, and I, I asked like, he was coaching Connor at the time as well. And Connor had, making huge strides and um and I'd seen that and and I just sort of said to him do you you want to train me and um and he was and he was obviously coaching Connor at the time and and he said yeah well he wanted me and Connor to train together and I that wasn't wasn't really gonna me and Connor laugh about it now but it wasn't really gonna work and just so I just said to him look I understand Connor was here before me so if you want to keep doing that that's fine but um I'm you know I'm not gonna we're not going to work together, I don't think that's going to work at this yeah, point, and yeah. um, so anyway, he ended up choosing to come and work with Elise and I, and then that was really when I had a great year after that, because we had, I had that thing that I was talking about, you know, Sean was over here living, and it was Elise, me and Sean, we went to training every day, and we just, we went all in for 12 months, and just, it was fun, you know, we just, we had a great off-season, and we just pulled everything apart, changed everything, did, and we were just so in, we were so invested in the day-to-day that we just, we were constantly changing stuff and doing stuff, but we were making the right moves because we were so invested in what we were doing, I think, and so like attention to detail, and, um, and then we, I went on to have, a, Elise and I both actually had a great 2013 and won a bunch of races and, and had a lot of fun, so that kind of took it to that point, and then uh, it was probably 2014 we had another pretty good year on won the worlds and then um, I ended up losing the ABA title that year which was which was rough and then it was around 2015 we'd had sort of two pretty good years together and then Sean was kind of getting a bit off like he had his ideas that he wanted to do things and obviously he had to make a living and and I could only afford to pay him so much and it was just that's what was really tough throughout my whole career was trying to create that relationship and that team, you know, off of a, a BMX budget, so to speak. And, um, so yeah, we ended up growing apart a bit and cause he had things that he had to do to make a living. And I had things, obviously I wanted someone with me at all times, but couldn't afford to pay a full time, you know, staff member. Um, so we grew apart in the end of 2015 and there I was in 2016 going to Rio again by myself. Um, so that, that was tough and, um, and that's why I think I'm so hell bent on just being there for, for Elise now and being someone in a corner that is with her day to day, that we work through things together and then we show up at the race and, and I'm the same person that she can lean on because I think that's huge.
0: Did you, uh, when did you split with Sean before Rio? It was around October, 2015. Okay. So you yeah. trained for the Grands that year and the Olympics solo? Yeah. Was it tough? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: just tough because you don't like you don't have that. I have a fair idea of what to do, but it's it's totally different when you're trying to do it for you. And just the the workload of the thinking in it that I had to do myself, a lot of it's just there's too much energy, and and it it cracks you at the physically. I got to I think I got in as good a shape as I'd ever been in, but it at the last moment when you're under pressure in those high pressure situations and you just want a shoulder to lean on or you just want someone to pat you on the back and yeah, go, yeah, yeah. let's do this. It's um it's tough to be by yourself. And ironically, right before the Olympic final, I'd won everything over the course of two days and showed I was in the final, top qualifier, lane one. <laughs> and two minutes before the Olympic final, me and Sean were in the toilet and took a piss next to each other. And <laughs> <laughs> we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't look at each other we just took the piss and then we went to the we were walking out and he looked at me I looked at him and like almost had a tear in our eyes and, and he was like good luck eh and I was like yep <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> you too <laughs> and it was, it was a really weird moment and then obviously he um, ended up going on and Connor won the race and um, so yeah that, that was good for the for him And
0: um, but yeah it was, it was a weird moment <laughs> yeah wow so doing a lot of that kind of thing solo, maybe in general, what was your mentality when it came to racing and training? Because obviously you you attacked it full on like like any top athlete does. So mm-hmm. did you have a certain mentality when it came to racing and training? Like what kind of motivated you? Was it just to win everything? Was it personal growth? You know, do you want to make money, kinda of all of the above, or I think I just I loved that thing of
2: for me it was like getting into character on race day I just loved that like I love showing up to race day and doing all these weird little quirky things that I did <laughs> but they were just habits and things that were my success plan and I over the years developed it and changed it and molded it to this point where I would got it to this point where I it was almost like at times like in 2013 when I had that really good year and won a bunch of races and it was almost like I was writing a like I had my diary there the night before the race and I was almost like I'm writing down my little goals for the day and how the day was gonna run and it was almost like I was writing a script like I just felt like so confident in my process that I was just writing a script of how the day was gonna go and then I felt like I was just gonna win the race like and those are the moments that you search for that you try to get to that mm-hmm. place cuz it's just like it's an unbelievable feeling when you feel that in control of something that you want um, but knowing that still there's no guarantee, but you, you feel like you've got the recipe, kind of. Just fall and trust your process. Yeah, and yeah. I just really, I just loved, no, it wasn't ever about money. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was ever about, I didn't really start this thing with like, oh, I want to win this money titles, or I want to, yeah. it was just like, just the thrill of the chase, I think. And that's what it still is. It's just, yeah. I love it. Like, I just love sitting on my laptop and trying to map out the plan and trying to go after it and that's what I loved about racing and at times it was a detriment because I was too uh, I was having I had too much of that weight on my shoulders and it's it was too much you know you can't I just overthought everything and had too much analytics going on in my head um at some key times but now that's I love it like it's just yeah. and that that's what it's it just thrill of the chase i think is the simplest way to put it uh, yeah. you know and, yeah. and that's what i say like i love competition and that's why it didn't for me it didn't matter if we were racing in reno or in rio it's the same mentality and it's the same thrill of the chase it's that's that's what i loved about it
0: yeah um i noticed like obviously we spent a lot of years on redline together and stuff and i noticed before races you're always like right before laps you're always pretty quiet and listening to headphones is that something you had to do to get kind of into your own world to focus i think that is just my ocd like i just
2: (laughs) that just obsessive like that was my that was my thing and like i said before i was getting into character like i would put my ipod and ipod in at the start of the day and it would be one song and it was on repeat all day but it created that era of just like going through the motions all day long like repeating Mm the same thing same thing same thing and i I loved that 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 appealed to me you know showing up there and just going in that boring repetitive mentality throughout the day and and then getting to the day and like finish up the day and and then letting your hair down afterwards it was just like um yeah and, th- and that's what I had to do I couldn't I couldn't really just sit around and chat yeah and it, for me it was about getting into that zone and um getting in my own world and Um, And doing everything I could and I I wasn't scared to go. I think some people that Some people that say like oh, I just have to do this I have to just chat and I have to just not worry about anything and um, And maybe there's the rare people that do it like that like Usain Bolt for example, like he's very laid-back very He has a philosophy and and you can't argue with that philosophy (laughs) or that method because he wins but I always question the people that are like, oh, you know, I just have to sit there and talk and, but then they've never won a race. So it's like, I yeah. question if is that their mentality or are they scared to go into that deeper mm-hmm. zone where you do just put everything into it and risk, you know, risk people saying, oh, you know, you're too serious and, and quote unquote, not getting the outcome. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wasn't scared to go to that point of just all in and if it worked it worked if it doesn't it doesn't kind of yeah. gambler mentality
0: <laughs> yeah no I understand because I have to do the same thing too I can't really talk before I have to listen to my music till um, right before and that's what helps me like focus all my energy and to get in my own world so I can mm-hmm. deliver the best performance and if I don't win I don't win but if I yeah. don't do that and then I don't do well I'll be like wow I left that one out there like I didn't do everything yeah. I could yep, exactly. yeah exactly like I, you can't be afraid to go all in and not get the result you wanted no. like I won't be able to sleep at night if I know that I could have focused more or done more yeah like I'd rather go all in and have it not work out yeah 100% yeah. And I think that's the biggest asset like an athlete can have is knowing what you
2: have to do to get to that point where, yeah. where you're all in and it's going to be a little bit different yeah. for every personality like what I did is different to what Elise needs to do but yeah. once you have an understanding of that and you embrace that and are prepared to do that every time then I think that's when you find success or at least find the best in yourself yeah did you have a bit of trial and error to find your routine yeah definitely and there was times when I had to uh, back it back and times where it got too crazy like I got way too obsessive at times like <laughs> yeah. way too obsessive yeah. and like <laughs> and I went through and because I had success so young like I was well, I won my first ABA race in America I was 17 and then I won the, my first title I was 19 so then, when you're that young and you have that success, you're like, that's the recipe. I'm just going to repeat that. Yeah. Like, to the point where it was like, I remember the, I won the ABA title in 2010, and that was, like, probably one of my best races ever, physically, mentally. I just nailed it that weekend. Yeah. It was great. And I came back in 2011. I was going against Willis for the title, and I wasn't... Just not being fully mature yet and understanding, like, new year, new thing. It was like... <laughs> I remember arriving and being like, "We're gonna to go to Ruby Tuesdays because that's where we went last Wednesday." When we <laughs> <laughs> and like, just like ridiculous shit. Like, but I remembered every detail, and that was when it got to a point where it's like, okay, <laughs> it's
1: a little much. <laughs> let's understand. Let's understand
2: what mattered and what didn't. Yeah. You know, but like, yeah. So definitely, I went through the trial and error stage, and and I think trial and error is constant. Yeah. You never are gonna find a recipe. but like you've got to be prepared to keep moving with the situation and you know like i heard someone said to me the other week a quote that said plant trees that you never see grow and that means like you just keep moving forward you just keep planting seeds and moving forward and that's i think at my best times that's what i did like in 2013 when i went on that streak of winning all them races i changed something every uh, every one of those races something minute that related to that situation. You know, I was in the moment and keeping on moving with the situation. So it's a tough thing to find, but once you find it, I think it's, that's when it can be special. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I've, I've done the same thing at times too. Like, you do something, you have your routine at a race, you do well, then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to do this every single yep. race. And I just tried to, no matter how I was feeling or what, I just tried to hammer the same routine every race, not realizing that you have to adapt at certain times. Uh-huh. And so I, I learned that too. Like you have to be a bit flexible with, you have, it, it's good to have a routine, but you also need to be a bit flexible with the situation. Yeah. yeah. And finding like,
2: what was the actual trigger in that routine that yeah. worked? Not like, it wasn't that song. Yeah. It was the fact that it was a song, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah
1: one time it clicks and you feel like it all comes together. You're like, oh fuck, I got it all figured out. This is easy <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Simple. I've, yeah, <laughs> I've thought that so many times too. You you do routine. You're like, I got everything figured out. From now on, every race is gonna go like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, so funny. Well, Sam, you talk about like how you kind of change those different mindsets and kind of that's I think that's pretty. That's a big thing to learn how to do. Um, did you learn that on your own, or did you start with working with like a mental coach?
2: Yeah, I worked with a sports psychologist since I was like fourteen. Um oh, wow. and I still chat with him today a bit. Um but I worked with him right the way through since I was fourteen. Um just he was so in Australia we have a a pretty good system where the states uh have like a a sports institute basically. So I was in SASE, which was the South Australian Sporting Institute. And at the time Greg, who I worked with, he worked for SASE so I had access to him so I just used him obviously and um and then we just stayed in touch and then he ended up getting a job in Denmark um as the psychologist for the soccer team over there um but I just I guess I he he got permission from them to keep working with me so I just was paying him and just I would chat with him probably only at times at times it was more and at times it was less but he just knew me from a young age and um Helped me refine my craft, and I think probably one of my strengths is that, and still today is I'm not afraid to be honest, and so I can ha- I can speak to a sports psychologist, and I'll just spill my guts to them, because I want to get an answer, and I'm not, so I'm not afraid to to do that. So, we um yeah we worked through a ton of stuff together, and it was really big for me. Yeah,
0: that's good to do at a young age, because it's not an easy thing to do a lot of the time. Spill your guts and go to like those mm-hmm. places that are hard mm-hmm. for anyone to go to, whereas it's life or sport.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. and um. Yeah, we just had a good relationship and he'd known me from the start so it was like we just had so much history you know yeah we just kind of worked at this thing together and i think the biggest thing with those things is not expecting to go in there and be handed a recipe or be handed yeah. you know it's a constant progression that you have to just keep working at and um yeah so we we worked together for a long time probably at least 10 years
0: I think it's a common misconception with sports psychology or regular psychology. You think you're going to go and talk to them and all of a sudden your problems are solved. Right. And like, it's yeah. just hand you a recipe. But yeah. I started working with my sports psychologist um, 2014, I think. Um, and I soon realized, like, after working with him that they're not going to deliver you a magical recipe. Like, they honestly just make you go to the places that you don't typically go to yourself and make you realize and come up with solutions yourself and kind of work through things together. Yeah, it's just um, problem yeah. solving, isn't and it? and I, I kind yeah. of wish I would have started working with him at a younger age, but I think ignorantly when I was like 18, 19, 20, I was doing well and I was thinking, ah, I'm not a head case. Like I don't need one, but there's so much more to it than that.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's just, it's
0: just good to talk. It's good to vent at times
2: and it's good to, we would have chats when nothing was wrong. Yeah. Just chat. And, and I think it's good to document them times as well. Like don't just call. That was my biggest thing with him. Like I'm not just going to call you when shit's hit the fan. (laughs) Like um, we're going to go on this journey together.
0: And and that's, Yeah. That's big I think. Yeah, no, that's I think it's really good you start at such a young age. Uh-huh.
1: So kind of Sam, you're you've obviously we call you the goat still again, I'll say it again, say <laughs> too many times <laughs> the show. But throughout your career you're always having like successful races, you're always performing when you need to, getting results. Um, for someone looking from the outside, it seemed like you always had it figured out, it was easy going. But was motivation ever an issue for you? Um or is there always something that kept you motivated in BMX, even if, like some people say they get burnout now and again if they're always training so hard, but was that an issue for you?
2: No, it wasn't, honestly. I never had, yeah, I never really had a time where, I, for me it was the opposite, I needed to pull back at times. Um, because I, yeah, I just was, I just lo- I loved it. I loved the competition and I loved the, and when I sat and probably people would hate to hear me say this, but I don't know if I really loved riding a bike that much. Like if, if I wouldn't have got hurt and I retired, I don't know if I ever would have gone and just rode. I just loved competition. Like I loved that. And it just happened to be that BMX was the vessel for that, that I chose. But yeah, I didn't really ever, I can't think of a time where I was ever like, Oh, it's too much. I need to I need a break i mean there was stressful there was stressful times 100 percent, and just with like and a lot of them were just me trying to get to that like a lot of us relation like relationships with like coaches and things like that they were stressful times like trying to embrace that or get that i really just i really searched for that camaraderie and that i'm a people person like i said and i really love it i, I keep a small circle but i love them people in that and I really wanted that in my career, you know, like I'm, I'm also, I'm envious of like Nick and his brother. Like I would have loved if me and my brother could have kept racing together through my career. That would have, we, we had so much fun growing up together and just life takes you different ways. You know, like he mm-hmm. went and got a job and probably worked out better off for him. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but just, I really loved that when you just had like someone in your corner that you trusted and you were going at it together with them. And, um, And I, you know, I was lucky to have that at times, you know, with Jason and Redline and, um, and, uh, you know, the crews we had, but they were probably the more stressful times. Just like when, you know, me and Wade went through a tough time or me and Sean, like when we split up, like those were like stressful times just dealing with that. But as far as like the actual sport, like motivation, like I never was at a point where I was like, oh, screw this. I'm just, I'm done. Like,
0: I don't think I was ever at that point really. Yeah. Yeah, I think the re- main reason I love BMX, too, is like riding a bike cool, but I don't think I'd just ride to ride either. Like, yeah. I just love the head-to-head competition aspect. It's yeah. just so head-to-head compared to other sports, yeah. Yeah, 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 100%. And you played, you played Aussie Rules football growing up? Yeah, I played that until... I actually... The year I... In
2: 2008, when I won my first junior world title, I was kind of playing footy part-time. I went back and played in the finals after that, and that was the last That's year. That's awesome. That was the last year I played, yeah
0: that's cool I think it's good for, to grow up in a team sport you learn how to work with others and everything like I grew up playing 100%. hockey yeah, that,
2: and that was my mum's biggest thing so she always said we had to play a team sport just to learn to interact and, and learn to work together and, and it's a it's a skill that you it's a priceless skill I think it's yeah. just having the, having that ability to deal with people like that's you have to do it in any you know form of life so that yeah that was a really good thing and, and I think what it it created in me that I just wanted that camaraderie with people you know yeah. like I keep saying um I just yeah I love that
0: and yeah yeah no I agree too I love like some of my best memories growing up in sport are just hanging out with the guys in the locker room and mm-hmm. hockey and just BSing and having fun as a team and mm-hmm. you don't get that as much with BMX because if you have success like it's such an individual sport that yep. even if you have friends you're racing with like they're happy for you but <laughs> it's hard to find yeah, yeah it is yeah. hard to find and
2: it's um and I think it's hard in BMX you have a lot of people that you're uh like you're around like a lot of acquaintances so to speak that, but but yeah. they're not like people that are like in your corner 100 but not your squad they're, right yeah and like that's what i feel like we had a red line a bit like with jason it was like that yeah like you know he's he'll be a friend for life you know yeah. one of my best friends now and um it's just like i mean he married elise and i and like yeah. you can't replace that kind of relationships and that's that's what's great about sport, when you when you get those relationships from just going to battle with someone.
0: James?
1: All right, <laughs> all right moving on, yeah. So, Sam, basically, you talk about all this, the personal kind of achievements, and obviously you have the results to back it. What really are you most proud of in your career?
0: What am
2: I most proud of? Um,
1: or is there something, one thing that stands out even?
2: I think just the skill set that it's given me to to deal with the ultimate challenge now of what I went through with my injury and um, if you would have told me in two thousand and sixteen you know you're going to break your neck and be paralyzed from the neck down i that I would have I would have been terrified as anyone I would have been terrified and I would have thought there's no way the things that come with like the reality of what I deal with every day outweighs anyone's perception it outweighs what my perception of and life in a wheelchair would be but the fact that I've realized now I've got from my sport I think I've gained the skill set of embracing the struggle embracing the you know dealing you know going after the process every day to be the best version of myself and um, I'm really proud of the point that I've got to with a lot of people's help but the point that I've got to where I live an independent good life in a situation that I would have thought at one point was, was suicidal, or I would rather die than, than live like this, but I've managed to get myself to a point where I'm, I love my life, I'm, I'm happy with it, I'm happy with the person I am, I'm happy with the people I have around me, and um,
0: so that's probably what I'm most proud of, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I didn't see you right when you had your accident, but I probably saw you a few months later, and just the improvement, I think, physically, emotionally, mentally, everything from. Yeah, like beginning of twenty seventeen, I think when I saw you till mm-hmm. now is is huge, yeah, and yeah. we're all really proud of you as friends and people, and it's it's amazing what you've done, really.
2: Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. It, it was tough. I mean, I went through really dark times, like dark times that yeah. only Elise, my mom, and my you know my my parents, my brother really know about. Um, but to come out the other side and and know that what those dark times were mm-hmm. um, to the point, yeah, like really bad times where like you just didn't I just didn't even know if I wanted to live life yeah. anymore and to get to the other side to where I, I love life probably more than ever in a situation where like before I would have been like that would suck to be like that yeah. but I'm at a point where I'm like I, I love it like I'm so thankful to be able to live the way I do yeah
0: Yeah. wow it's amazing James Oh
1: wow, it's really awesome it's cool I've been able to turn that around and have that outlook
0: um, do you have any regrets in your career anything you, maybe not a regret, but would you have done something differently or do you have anything like anything like that no not at all no if, no I don't have any
2: like i just I'm so happy I think that everything i did there's do I think my career is perfect absolutely not do I think I did everything right absolutely not, but it's those things that created it's all those moments and those times that created me that's that's me you know that's my that's sam willoughby because i went through all of that and now i'm able to deal with the things i deal with because of that um so no i don't think i i, I definitely have you know there's races that i'm like oh that one maybe got away a bit but i'm huge on like it's not yours till it's yours and yeah um there's nothing i would have done differently even like rio like I would have, there's, there's things that I would have loved to have had in my career, but they're not regrets. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 So not
0: really. Yeah. James, before we go to the quick shots, I need to take a pro gate piss break. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. While you do that, I got a question for Sam then. Go for so you it. You brought up all the good times with Jason. I'm yep. curious, do you have any like really good stories from that you can share? Ooh. Maybe not truck talk stories, but yeah. just classic Jason Redline day stories. Cause when we talk to him and obviously hearing from Tori and you, <laughs> I know you guys have had some good times today.
2: Oh, uh, let me think. Let me. Oh, uh, I have like some really good stories that I can't share. Um, so they're
1: probably off camera. They're, they're for the night version. Yeah,
2: <laughs> after dark. Um. What, do, what, um, what do I have, Jason?
1: I got a question. Did he ever make you dry? He told us on, a, on the show. He would drive places with friends naked. This is way back in the day before yeah. the red line days. Yeah. Did they ever do that with you? Because that sounded pretty funny and pretty weird.
2: He never drove. He never drove us naked. I mean, he was in the red line trucks. So he had to be somewhat professional. <laughs> but I have seen him naked more times than I should have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've yeah. I've. I mean, he's the the things you would. The funny thing. Funny thing about. You just do things with, around Jason that you would never do around anyone else. <laughs> I mean, I've been massaged by Jason in his jocks. Like, it's just ridiculous. But it's but, normal. But it's normal. For some reason, it's normal with Jason. Um, man, I have a, we've had so many good times together and, and I'm like drawing a blank right now. I can't even, I want to tell us. There is one story I really want to tell and I can't. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot
0: of them that are, were like so funny but you kind of had to be there you know yeah, yeah.
2: um but just his like jason it's, can just say anything to anyone
0: and it's and somehow okay he, It's, it's jason. Okay, <laughs> like he gets away with it yeah i couldn't think of a more fun person though to spend those years with the, all of us on redline oh uh, i wouldn't trade it for the world no i wouldn't really. trade it for the world like we talked awesome. about with him on his podcast like Those are the times we're really going to remember. Yeah, we're not going to remember a lot of time the results from races or whatever. We're going to remember those times we had, like driving to Outback after a day in Nashville or whatever. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I wouldn't trade that for anything either.
1: Before we move on to, I had another question.
0: Go for it, James. We got the we got the goat here. Ask away.
1: (laughs) I just want to ask him everything I can right now. Yeah, you know what? Fill your boots. I knew Liam had a custom frame bike, and I I had an idea what he did to his. Uh Did you ever do anything different or like? change your bike up for performance by or in any way?
2: Which race? My bike changed a lot. <laughs> um, okay, but there I, we go. I changed... Did you ever
1: change the frame specs, or was it just like gearing, crank length, and handlebar height? Yeah, it was mainly
2: all of that, but I did... I went to a longer bike in 2016. Um, yeah, just... No, a real. I didn't really have many resources around me to say why. I guess I just kind of was like, seemed like Liam was doing it. And Let's I change like, something. I need to go faster. So I just try some stuff. And, and I actually liked it on the bigger track. It kind of quietened everything down a little bit. and um, So I did. But it wasn't a custom thing. I I always rode a Pro XL. Then I just went up to a double XL redline. Um, and yeah. And then I mean outside of that. I mean you name a gear ratio. You name a crank. I've tried it. Um, What's the shortest crank you've raced on? Oh raced on... Like a one seventy probably. Oh, I wanna try this. <laughs> <laughs> but but I really yeah, I, I was on one eighties later in my career and I was on one seven fives forever. Until probably right before the worlds in Rotterdam, Sean and I put one eighties on. No work. Yeah. But other than All that right, I was yeah. on one seven fives always, yeah.
0: I've always been the worst person to test that kind of stuff because I don't notice much difference with things. Really? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. You see,
2: I never did until I started working with Sean and then we just used to mess with everything. Yeah. Like tinker and tinker and tinker. And it was good. At times it was a detriment, but I, I learned so much from it. Yeah. And which has been really helpful now with the coaching stuff. Because um, everything they... The hardest thing for me now is not being able to go out and do stuff. Like when I'm trying to explain stuff, it's like I can't demonstrate. Yeah that's really tough but i have such a good perception of how when they tell me stuff or like when i have them try stuff of how that would feel because i did try literally everything yeah (laughs) yeah
1: i was always curious because i have in my my head i have this secret combo that if i ever get my hands on the world better be ready yes (laughs) why why don't
0: you just try it (laughs)
1: <laughs> not because i can't do that i'm scared that if it doesn't work out like i think of in my head i'm just gonna be a jackass <laughs> that's it. yeah that's but then you,
0: then you stop wondering just try it yeah just try it yeah. i will
1: eventually but i'm not gonna tell anybody when i do me,
0: me and ph have tried a shitload of different stuff too when it comes to crank gear and uh-huh. stuff
2: yeah yeah jason used to jason he hated me doing that around like 2015 16 i just changed stuff all the time and he's like oh my god just put the What's the one you had on when you won 13 in a row? Just, just, put that on, man, and stop thinking. Let's just go have coffee.
0: I think sometimes, like I've been too stuck on stuff too. I've been like, no, this gear works, and I've just used it forever uh-huh. instead of like trying to do something different. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I've, at, at times I think I probably should have tried something different. Yeah, but it's kind of weird because you know, like velodrome road cycling, they change gears so often, uh, yeah. and us will run like a 44 16 like rockford and then supercross yeah. it's like yeah. realistically you should probably try something different for each one and sometimes i liked that just the mentality
2: that you showed up and you were i almost want to try like because i just loved things i loved sacrifice and things being hard sometimes which i think is my strength now with this mm-hmm. situation but sometimes i would just do dumb shit just to make it harder like <laughs> like i'd show up to like at grand junction i we showed up there and that's like a pretty short first straight and I put a 5118 on, like, it's a huge gear, like, you shouldn't run that there. But fucking huge. I just did it because it was like, that was like, in my, for some reason, it put this thing in my head, like, watch me fucking beat you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, like, I loved that, like, I just loved that meathead mentality, like, and it was to my detriment many times, but sometimes it worked. Just give me something to push into. Yeah, I yeah, just, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a meathead. <laughs>
0: Well, James, we'll move on to the quick shots. Uh, Sam, you yep. familiar with the quick shots? I am. We got a lot of questions from fans. So, yeah, we do. Yeah, we got a lot of questions, so we'll, we'll get to them. All right, James, you want to start us?
1: Yeah, I'll start us off. This one's from at Dean Reeves 21 What was the hardest mental barrier, barrier you overcame in the journey to dominating in the elite class?
0: Ooh. That's um, a good question. That's a good question.
2: Yeah. Hit him with it right away. I know. <laughs> the hardest one. I mean, there was many. Um, I don't think I ever got over the barrier. It's a constant, like trying to get ahead of the game. Um, probably just that like finding the balance for me between that obsessive I think for me it was it worked to be that routine obsessive based person, but like I said, like finding the balance at times it just got ridiculous. So that was probably a, a big one for me. It was finding that the balance within that to, f- you know, not push it too far to the point where like, I'm like sitting on the same rock before
0: I go to the gate every time or something. You know, like, yeah. Like not paralysis by analysis, but enough to improve. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at F Devereux 33, who was your biggest rival? Who many over the years i'd say um
2: do you want me just to this is quick shot isn't it
0: well (laughs) i'm really enjoying this podcast
2: you you answer how you want i can probably go through different (laughs) i was fortunate that i almost raced in a lot of different eras so like early on it like well really the whole way through but sort of up to around like 2012 i'd say me and maris went back and forward a lot and that was fun um and then like it was kind of like Connor, Joris, and Liam, those kind of guys that there was a point with them. Um, and then Neek came in. Um, but I'd say, like, Connor and I had a pretty big rivalry. Mm. Um, you know, one of the person, people that um, that I felt was probably as intense or more intense than me and I felt like we had a real, like, head-to-head battle all the time we raced and it was kind of, like, intimidating was Willers? Mm. Like yeah, he, I can see that, yeah. He was, like... He kind of did his own thing and was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes, uh, yeah, him and I
0: would just, like, two meatheads, like, not talking to anyone. It seemed, like, also, like, I mean, I just kind of came into Elite in his last couple of years, but he had, like, good routines that worked for him at races. He was yeah. really consistent for those And years. he was just kind of like me. He's just
2: stubborn. Like, yeah. this is what I'm doing and I'm all in. And, yeah. and that's intimidating when you see someone yeah. like that. Um, and then... So I think like when him when he was, I think when like Maris was on, and Eve and Liam, I think those two when they were on, it was like, I don't know how like this is gonna, yeah, I really they were they were quick, yeah, and like hard to beat,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Alright, well quickly speaking of wheelers and all the stuff you tried, did you ever try what he did and bring a weight like a a bar and plates <laughs> to the racetrack?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quick shot for you. <laughs> that
1: was fine. All right, uh, next question from Nate underscore BMX 374. This is a Double Shot. Uh, what is the best advice you have ever received in BMX? And also, who do you predict will go to the Olympics for Australia?
2: Best advice I've received in BMX? Um, just keep the main thing the main thing.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah. Who gave you that? I don't remember who said that, no. When you told me before it was good, you're like, move slow in the gym, you move slow on the track. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been given a lot of good advice. I remember
2: one day we showed up to Gates late and Nick was like it was Tuesday night gates and like Nick was the guy I used to always battle with at Tuesday night gates and I don't know, Sean and I and Elise were probably just bullshitting in the garage and we got to the track late. And I was like, oh, Nick's already doing gates." And, and Sean said to me, "He's like, you get to the bar late, you better get drunk quick." <laughs> 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 um, well, that's some Dwighty advice that, I heard. That's it. some Dwighty advice. Yeah. So I've, I've heaps of good advice over the years. But um, what was the other one? Who's gonna go to the, uh, uh, the next Olympics for Oz? In men and women. Yeah. I think at this point we've probably only qualified one male, and. I think, well, my pick, obviously, is Anthony. Mm-hmm. And then in the girls, I could see us getting two spots, and then I'm going to say Lauren and Sia. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anthony's fast enough, he could win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, at Eric Watts 969, how satisfying is it to see people you coach succeed? How would you explain it to others? Uh, when, like when Elise won the Worlds
2: in Rock Hill, that felt better than any race I'd ever won.
0: Really, hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just satisfaction of helping, yeah, helping your wife achieve like, it.
2: Yeah, just that team effort. Yeah, and like, and then like when she won in Pappendorf last year, that was just like, I'm like screaming on the camera and just like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, so that's, um, yeah. Feels great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like this next question from Brendan o- Brendan O'Connor. Uh, okay. 2011 Chula Supercross Semi with Joris. Clean or dirty move?
2: <laughs> uh, you have to be fast on the track. It <laughs> um, uh, probably wasn't that bad, really. Just heat of the moment. Yeah. just That's just me hard on my sleeve. Um, and I think I was frustrated at the time anyway. I just hadn't really had the year I wanted. And just, it was like, ugh, something else. And um, yeah. Nah, probably wasn't that bad, really. But I, I'm, I'm one of them... I'm big on, like, you can do any move you want, as long as you... You can crash me, put me over the turn, do whatever you want, but you better ride out of it and get something out of it. <laughs> if you crash as well, then then we should probably
0: argue a bit. This one's for me. I just thought of it. Did you have any races or, like, at times where you felt like... Um, you're nervous or you didn't quite believe in yourself. You're unsure about something on the track or anything like that. Yeah. Um, what was the, there was,
2: yeah, there was plenty of nervous. I was nervous all the time. Yeah. Always. I think you're alive then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably that some of those Manchester's man, like, yeah. And that's if you talk about regrets in your career, like I wish I would have gone over there and just figured it out and, because that was fun, like, racing against Liam there. Like, I, I l- really love that when you're, like, the underdog and, like, mm-hmm. trying to race against someone that's clearly better at something than you and just trying to trying to, trying to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wish I would have just, like, embraced it a bit more and gone to, like, a Manchester Open or something and yeah. just, or like, gone and paid some money and stayed there and figured out the track and rather than sort of, like, I don't want to say run away from it, but mm-hmm. just, like, oh, I'll just whatever, it's just Manchester. Like, you know, so I wish I would have done that um but probably like all the manchesters like i just struggled there like you couldn't pedal at the bottom of the hill i i I was big on that because when i when i didn't pedal at the bottom of the hill i couldn't get up the front of my bike enough and um and just like that track in 2015 like i struggled like crazy there like just that first jump and then that big step up on the second straight like i just i really struggled there and um yeah, and then I actually got to the point where I almost I was in second and ended up crashing in the final there. But um, that was probably the one where I was just like, I just couldn't figure it out. And I just... Yeah. yeah. What about the grands That when you, you crashed, twenty Yeah, that was... And that was another... That was where probably, looking back on that now, my mentality of just all in was probably my detriment there because I just... That weekend, I was going fast and I just... I had this constant like thing back and forward in my head because I had that year I'd won fourteen races. All I had to do was make the final and finish top six, and like on paper that should be easy for what I'd done throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And all I heard all weekend was just like this outside noise of people like, "Oh, you're this is easy, like just cruise it in, like this and that." And I really struggled to find a middle ground of like back it off but then when I back off I'd make mistakes and it was worse and then I'd go all in and then like I just I was just fighting that back and forward all weekend and it to the point where like Friday was a mess I was all over the shop and somehow I ended up still winning the overall by like scrapping my waist through the three mains and and then it was like and then the the main day came and I just all of a sudden I was screwing up my starts I was spinning my wheel I was doing all this weird stuff and just I just couldn't find like a medium a happy medium of like should i go all in or should i back down a bit or should i and then consequently ended up just throwing it away in the semi-final and made a a mistake Um, and that that was probably like one of the biggest losses of my career i felt like because i just i just didn't handle the occasion Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah all
1: right next one from i don't know how to say this akka (laughs) t jiff (laughs) <laughs> i don't know bro i'm sorry uh for optimizing rest are you active recovery or 100% non-active recovery
0: Oh,
2: i think you do a bit of both um i was always big on active recovery like during the week and then i think it's always good to have a, a day of just nothing or even sometimes you need like a week of nothing um so yeah it's a balance i'd say yeah um but definitely i think a bit of both in in, from a short term standpoint, I think you need a bit of both in your week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At James Baker, what year or years do you feel were your best? Um, on paper, twenty
2: twelve through fourteen, I would say. Physically, I think I was in the best shape. In Rio. Yeah. Mm.
1: From uh, Damon Hawking441, three of your favorite tracks in Australia?
2: In Australia, well, when I was growing up. Nar- Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Narang, Narang was always a favorite. I
0: always wanted to race that track. Yeah, yeah.
2: that was always a big race. Um, what else was there? I mean, I've always just liked my track, Happy Valley. Like that was always pretty good. Um so Narang, Happy Valley. And I would say the Adelaide Worlds, that was that's got a special place in my heart, like winning the junior worlds
0: at in Adelaide. That was pretty cool. Mm. From at Sylvan Andre BMX. Oldsmart twenty sixteen, was it a middle finger after the finish line? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish I could say it was, because that would be a cool story. Oh I thought it was. And no, it wasn't. Oh no. You just point up George. Yeah. I just—I wasn't even pointing at them. I just like kind of just in the moment, same as like I was saying now. um, I just get caught up in the moment and just do weird stuff like celebrating. But I just—it was like a kind of fist pump, like make making number one sort of. But it wasn't at them or like like I wish I could say it was. I would tell you, it'd be like a cool story. (laughs) But yeah. That's fine.
1: All right, another one from Sylvan Andre BMX. Uh, what are two strengths and two weaknesses you had as a rider?
2: Two strengths, um, I think. Like I said earlier, I knew what I knew. The mentality it took to get the best out of myself is a strength. Um, I believe. Mm, I think my ability to. I think that my ability to not take myself too seriously from the standpoint that I was, I was open to criticism at all times. Um, I was open to constructive criticism as long as it was evidence-based and to keep, you know, make myself better. And I can, I constantly changed and evolved throughout my career. Like it would have been easy at, you know, when I won my first ABA title in 2010 to just, get stuck in that, like, oh, this is what I do. Like this, this worked then and and not evolve throughout my career. And I think I evolved, you know, constantly, um, weaknesses, I would say, um, what were some weaknesses? Uh, I think I struggled, struggled pushing through jumps at times. Um, and probably cornering was a bit of a weakness
0: for a lot of my career,
2: yeah. Cool.
0: Uh, Brad Game 35, what was your favorite song to listen to on race day? Marilyn Manson, Sweet Dreams. (laughs) Classic banger. Mm -hmm.
1: That's a slow banger. All right, from Jacob Burke 661, how much did Tori? bomb in the 2014 world's final
0: james you, you cut out can you repeat it
1: i said how much did tory pay you to set off a bomb in
0: 2014 world's final <laughs> set off a bomb um
2: <laughs> he didn't pay me anything but i made good money out of
0: it <laughs> uh, aiden arnold e, bmx who could bench more you or anthony dean
2: anthony dean
0: can bench a lot more than me how
2: much can you bench I I'm a stuck at 100 kilos. I'm not as strong as I look. What can what can Dino bench? He did one. We had a little bench contest, like, and it was based on like percentage of improvement. Yeah. Because, yeah, he did 140. Um, Three plates. Jeez. That was last year. He That's just started. Savage. He started benching for like four weeks, and then he did <laughs> this 140. And here I am, like slaving yeah. away at it every day. But um, yeah, I got no core. <laughs> I'm wobbly
1: Alright uh, from Bad Birdie BMX World Cups or USA BMX races?
2: Uh, ooh <laughs> Both I don't care Like just Wherever the race is Whoever's bringing
0: the heat But I must um, Would you like racing more? I don't
2: It didn't matter to me it was just about whatever the whatever it was hard for me to balance both like trying to prioritize everything was really tough yeah for sure um but i mean i love like the world cup on the weekend like manchester indoors good atmosphere like now going to watch i really like that but that's why i always like the grands um no i I don't know i didn't i don't honestly
0: like i just i don't care like i just it wherever the race is Mm. let's race (laughs) <laughs> from at Elise post 11 in Sam's eyes what year did we start dating 2006 I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I was
2: dating Elise in 2006 and then she started dating me in 2008
0: so how'd did you did you just see her on like myspace back then or something
2: <laughs> yeah on transit and then I thought she was she was pretty hot and hell then, of a gate yeah good gate start <laughs> good gate um, and then I started messaging her on myspace she didn't really reply very often. And then, but I'm persistent. Like, I'll just, you know, thrill of the chase. Yeah. So, um, just kept chipping away at it. And then what happened was I won the Worlds in China and then I was cool enough for her to talk to me. So then...
0: Wanted a piece of the world champ. She wanted a piece
2: of the champ. <laughs> I could hardly blame her.
1: <laughs> All right, from at uh, tie.b.9 what gearing do you you use, Tori, and what gearing did Sam use?
0: I used a forty-four 16 with one-eighties forever, and then I switched to. I think I switched to one seventy-fives, because actually, I actually I switched to one seventy-seven point fives like a couple weeks before Pan Am Games in twenty fifteen. Then I won that race, and I was like, "Damn, these things work pretty good." It's the recipe. It's the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be on these forever. So I was using one seventy-seven. With a 43.716 for forever. I just love decimals. Decimals. And then I went to Manchester the next year and had some issues. So then I switched to to 175s. And then I was like, damn, these things are really good. So I used 175s forever. And then I switched to, then I used like a 5018 that summer, which was too big at the Olympics. I shouldn't have used it. And then I switched to a 47, 17, and then now I'm at a, four, <laughs> the, last, the last two years I'm out of 49, 18 with 175 cranks. I've done them all as well, but I've never gone below 44.
2: Like, whatever a 44, 16 rollout is, with a big, well, I ran a small tire for a bit, but the big, yeah, tire, big tire 44, yeah, I never yeah. went below 44. So. Never smaller, hey? No, I had, yeah, 44 of 175s was for years. And then started going up to like the fifty eighteen, and then I did a forty five sixteen for a while, um, and then the fifty one eighteen for a while, and then by Rio I was back on the
0: fifty eighteen, yeah. One eighties. One eighties, yeah. From Atsukaki Kai. what does a typical recovery day look like for Salmon Owl?
2: Typical recovery day um we're like we're foodies so we just go out and eat out a lot um try to yeah we just find new little restaurants and we're kind of running out of places to try in san diego because we've tried a lot of them so that's kind of like most yeah that's what we do is look for food really good food and coffee <laughs> shops good ambiance it's all about the ambiance
1: yes. <laughs> uh, from at ben.curling What's been the hardest thing with your injury?
2: Ooh, I would say there's many things. For me early on was just the the uncertainty and the insecurity. I would say i just... I really struggled with figuring out what my worth in the world was going to be, I think. And um, I tried to... I mean Elise has just been a rock for me. And I tried for a long time early on to push her away. And just, I just felt so much guilt. And I had so much uncertainty of how I could be a value or not be a detriment on on her or people around me. And that was a really dark, stressful, uncertain time. Yeah. At J Tools,
0: 1974. What should the current crop of pros be doing to be making a proper living in BMX? Um, Podcast, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just think, I I think just
2: racing and being, having your, having personality and having just being, being yourself. I think if you have to, if you have to change who you are and how you go about your craft, then it's not, what's the point, you know, like in, and if, I think if your craft, if what you do is valuable, then you'll be rewarded for it. And if you're all in to your craft, I think people will notice that because it's authentic and it's real and it's um yeah, so I don't know, I don't think there's too many like secrets and I'm not big on I'm not huge on social media. I understand its place, but I just I don't think that's the answer either. I don't think just posting photos of yourself is does as much as people think it does um i think just be authentic um be real be all in and and that comes across really really good from the outside yeah
0: i like to see personality with people a lot of people just do like the cliche stuff and it's boring like like one thing i like about nick is like yeah he posts and stuff but you could you could see his personality shine through right i think like when i was younger i was kind of scared to do that because i didn't want to offend anyone i didn't really know how to yeah, do that but I think if you can somehow make your personality shine through whether it's interviews or photos or whatever 100% like, yeah yeah yep. yeah. Um,
2: yeah. and I think also just I think giving back as well is important um, and I think that that values you as a mentor or an idol to the, to the younger, mm-hmm. younger as well and giving back can mean just I, I was always big on just try to be personable with people you know if someone comes up have a conversation with them ask about them be involved in their little, you know, their day at the race, and um, and try to be a part of their day a little bit, and it's pretty simple, really. It's just like how'd your race go? When are you up? What mode are you in? Like, cool. I'll come watch, and yeah, uh, I think those things go a long way. Yeah.
1: All right, from Matt, Quintin underscore P underscore BMX, favorite track and why.
2: Ooh, um I really liked the Rio so-called Rio replica at, at Chula Vista that was a good one like in 2016 yeah, when we were one. training there before the um Rio yeah, games like I loved that track that was yeah. awesome yeah
0: I agree because it, it challenged you every day yeah you could and never
2: I, chill on it it like, was just fast and yeah. like it had everything and like I love it when there's a rhythm and you got oh. to work your way through and there's a reward to like triple out at the yeah. end or
0: something like yeah. that that's my favorite thing about that old straightaway and we raced on it 2013-14 yep. was you get rewarded for a skill like that. That's mm-hmm. probably the only track in the world where you get rewarded for tripling something. Yep. Honestly. Yep. Yeah. I think it's so cool. Wow. Um, Annalise.z. What do you consider your greatest accomplishment in racing and in life? Um, well, I think we already said the life one. Yeah. In
2: racing. Probably, honestly, probably my first world, our uh, first uh, ABA title. Hmm. Cause that was what I dreamed of as a kid you know, there was no Olympics when I was growing up, or like not BMX in the Olympics. So my dream and my goal was to win an ABA title. And that one was special because it was like me and Wade and I did it together, you know, and that, that was cool.
0: Why Why that instead of the Worlds, for instance?
2: Um, I mean, the Worlds is close, 100%, really close. Um, but I think that was just that was what I wanted as a kid yeah. like I just seen the ABA as like on this pedestal mm. growing up you know because it was in the magazines and, yeah. um, and then to come over here and be sponsored by Redline and do it with like you know I looked up to Jason on DVDs and like now we were friends and it was like that people thing you know and like Elise and I were dating and Wade was there in my corner my mom and dad were there and it was like a, it was like a real sense of like a kid from Adelaide went to America and did it you know and yeah, that was just, I think that was special for me.
1: Which title
2: made you more money? <laughs> Ooh. Probably 2014 Worlds, because I won the time trial and the race in the same weekend, so I was technically two titles on the on the bonus
0: structure. <laughs> <laughs> with me and Elise, and, with me and least both in second, that was an expensive yeah, yeah, yeah. day for Redline. <laughs> and Redline's no longer here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: right, from, uh, Hazard underscore Davis, double shot, says, how do you compare racing the Olympics to regular World Cups and World Championships? And then, was there any difference in mindset leading into those different races?
2: Um, I think the Olympics is really like no no other. Uh, It's just a really unique event in that you, I mean, we rode that bus to the track sitting next to everyone, and everyone's like, Together on a bus and then we went there and you race and then you come home and everyone like you ride the bus together. <laughs> it's just a really weird dynamic and I always compare the Olympics to the Hunger Games Like it's kind of oh, that's like, so true Like you're yeah, in that village so and it's like this little world inside the world And it's just all these like animals trying to kill each other and everyone's just on the outside looking in um, a bunch of gladiators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy so it's like you've really got to be prepared for that and um, and and you know, cross all your T's, dot all your I's, and be prepared for the unthinkable a bit. Um, so, yeah, there's a huge difference, I would say. I mean, once you get on the gate and the racing's rolling, it's it's just business as usual. It's kind of like you hear people talk about the Super Bowl. It's like the first five minutes are so nerve-wracking, and then, then the game's gone, mm. and you just play. Um, the World Cups are just, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's another race, really. you just prepared. As you did for any other race for me,
0: yeah. Yeah, I was most nervous for the Olympics for the first lap. Yeah, first yeah. lap was tough. Get the race... Then get, after that, it's like Phew. get everything rolling. Yeah, then you kind of sink something. into the routine. And yeah. yeah. Um, at right stuff BMX Sam, do you really do chest every day? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't. There was a there was a phase I went through when Jason was living here. Um, I really, you know, I've got this thing in my head that. I want to be able to eat whatever I want, so in order for I need to grow my chest quicker than my gut, so I don't look fat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do prioritize chest because the chest needs to grow more than the gut.
1: Alright, uh, Matt Matt Baisley. your most memorable shoey.
2: Ooh, the grossest one I've ever done is out of a bowling shoe. Oh. <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> At the East Lake Bowling Alley. Um, At Chula one year? Yeah. Uh, most memorable one. I don't know. I don't know many. That what one's like, pretty memorable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty
2: memorable, I'd say.
0: At craft.tommy. Favorite female and male amateur that's up and coming in the next couple years that you will watch? Oh, May I'm a
2: big, big fan of Cam Wood. I think he's really good, and he came out here the other week and with Justin and stayed with us for a couple of nights and rode a little bit. And I just seen so much of myself in him. It was kind of weird, Um, just like little things he did and his attention to detail and just how like uh, he's just a really good kid. And um, so I think he's got a lot of potential, good work ethic, good skill. He's really talented, Um, and yeah, and he's just. He's, he's all in so it's, that's pretty cool to see um, and then female in America um, I mean those I've I liked watching those Hayes sisters that they've been doing really well and just kind of like races you know that's what I like seeing just people that like go for it as far as racing like I've never really been one to I always appreciate skill I appreciate how hard it is but I also appreciate that it's a race and I appreciate people that are just like get to the finish line as quick as you can. I'm like, so mm-hmm. yeah, I've been enjoying watching them just go for it. Right on. All
1: right. that's the last quick shot from L Kilgore 49. How many times did Jason Carnes make you shave his back? <laughs>
2: um, how many ABA weekends are in a year? <laughs> 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 that, that many. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an honor
0: sorry, get in here, let me shave, my back. <laughs> stop being dumb, and come here and shave my back, <laughs> those are all the quick shots we have, James,
1: yeah, yeah that's all we got,
0: usually, Thanks. usually we wrap up the potty without our guests, but we're in studio now, so we gotta wrap it up with Sam, yeah, no, that's okay, so, so, Sam, so Sam, what was your favorite part of the potty, Ooh. Um, I don't know, it's just an it. honor to be on Coffee Chatter, wasn't it? The time's <laughs> flowing by. I'm, I'm not ready to leave yet. James, this has been one of my favorite... No, no fuck it. This is my favorite podcast Ooh, so far. You don't have to say that because I'm in front of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gotta say, I really, you know, I really found it interesting to hear about how you say that you found what worked for you, but you also like, decided you understood that you needed to change it as things went on, too. Because I always feel like myself, like, like we joke about it. As soon as you feel like you find something that works, like, oh, I'm going to stick to this all the time. Yeah. And I, always, I don't change it until I feel like it doesn't work again. Yeah. And like, sometimes I need to realize that sooner that, hey, like, okay, that worked then, but you need to do what you need to do today, not what worked last weekend. Yeah.
0: yeah. I completely agree. And I think I t- a lot of times after listening to Sam, especially, I realized I think I got stuck in that mentality a lot too, to my detriment, probably. Like, I think it was good that I had that a voice had a good routine, but I think at times it's, it's hurt me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all guilty of it at times. Yeah.
2: Because you, you want that safety of like, oh, I figured out the recipe. I got I got a cookbook here. <laughs> yeah. And it's really like you've just got to embrace that. I think I believe you've got to embrace that thing, you know, being on the fence of chaos and, and safety kind of thing, you know.
0: I think a lot of people too saw you as serious at the races because obviously you're there to do a job, but like away from the track and even like between laps, I mean, you'd love to laugh and have a mm-hmm. good time and just joke around with the boys. And I think some of yeah. the most fun we've had together is just joking around at the races or like drinking coffee or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I
2: think I've definitely been misunderstood over the years yeah. and just because people see you in the workspace. Um, but yeah, pretty laid back person and hopefully that comes across a bit more and, um, don't be afraid to come up and have a chat, and I actually I'm happy to chat. Yeah, because people <laughs> yeah.
0: like if you if you just look at the rider like ten minutes before or after, you're going to see the person in the zone. You're not going to see their actual personality because yeah. I think a lot of people forget that as pros we're there to do jobs. Yeah, and yeah. they think that you know your personality is what you show like ten minutes before and after. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's really when that's not true at all. Like you're just in the zone to race. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: and I think the thing if you look a bit deeper like that is my personality i'm all in so like we're going to have a chat outside of the race i'm all into that as well like i want to know about you and 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 whatever it is
0: yeah Yeah. james how's belgium
1: um well belgium's okay just you know those shits i had in manchester have still been happening for the past three days so it hasn't been a great three days
0: (laughs) when you you guys riding zolder right now
1: no, actually, we're going to drive over to Papendal tomorrow, uh, get some time on the track there, because it's only like an hour and a half drive, I think, maybe a little more, so uh, I'm going to head there tomorrow, hopefully get some time on the track and learn the track because it's pretty new, I heard, a lot of different changes. Yeah, today.
0: I heard it's, heard it's a lot different, make sure you dial it in, bro. <laughs> yeah, I've
1: got to dial that shit in.
0: <laughs> it, ra- it rained here yesterday randomly, so I couldn't ride, I was pretty bummed, but Papandall. I played, played golf with Savvy instead. I love kind of Papendal. But yeah, I love Papandou. That one's if I could, if I could choose to win one World Cup, it'd be Papandou. Yeah, 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 I think that's an awesome oh, race.
1: I got a random question for you, Sam. Okay. Yep. I don't remember who told me this, but one year, did you like go to the sauna the day before the race, and then you thought it was a great idea, so you always did it?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that a complete lie.
2: Nah, no. I went maybe like after the flight or something, but nah. Uh-huh. No. No. Nah. Uh,
1: somebody told me a lie. You know, I had to ask anyway. That's
2: probably like... A, that
0: might have been Kalen. I feel like. Oh, you guys have a good Kalen Papandale oh. story. Which one? <laughs> when he had 10 copies oh, and couldn't get... Oh, yeah. Give.
2: So we were staying in Papandale between the World Cup in 2011 and the test event in London. And we were there with Willers and Kalen and all that New Zealand team and Australian team were all there. And it's pretty like boring place to be really like when you're just yeah. stuck there yeah. between races it's a nice hotel but it's boring yeah and they got those coffee machines where you just drink as much coffee as you want and Caelan's like I'm gonna see how much coffee I can drink this morning it's so like he had like I want to say it was like 12 like double shots of coffee and we went to do gate and he couldn't gate like he just would sit on the gate and he like he's like I can't I can't move mate. like I can't I can't I can't function like I can't I'm trying to rip off the gate and nothing's happening And it took him like probably an hour or so to come down. Let it burn off had, a little Yeah, he bit. had to like burn down from probably 1200 milligrams to 600 or something and then he could start doing gates But he just completely fried himself. <laughs> we need to get him on a potty. <laughs> yeah, you do uh, yeah. Have you talked to him lately? Um, I texted him the other day. They didn't write back, but yeah, he goes in phases
0: Anything else James?
1: Uh, Well, I was going to ask you about your sponsorship announcement that you had that, I mean, it's coming up. I don't know if you want to spill the beans on it.
0: I can't. Yeah, I'm going to do some filming for it next week, but apparently the announcement is June 12th, so I can't announce until then. I just got an email about it yesterday. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, I think Sam knows what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Sam and Elise know what it is. You know what it is, too, but I can't say until June 12th. All right.
1: Take that back, people. Sorry for the spoiler.
0: But thanks to ProGate Europe. I had a progate. I had the first progate piss break of our show. That was good.
1: I totally missed that mind cut out here. The Wi-Fi is not you know, the greatest. I was going to say I had
0: the first progate piss break of the show. That's a new segment now. If you have to go to the bathroom, that's what it's called.
1: <laughs> progate. That's a good one. Well, also another shout out then to Motorsheets.com as well. Um, if you guys need any timing systems, event scoring, online entry management—you name it. Go to Motorsheets.com. Tell your people for it.
0: Thanks to Sam Willoughby coming on the show. Thanks to Elise Willoughby for hosting us. Thanks for yeah,
1: having thanks, me. Sarah. Love it. Thanks.
0: All right, it's boys. Good. We'll see you soon.
1: Thanks, boys. Talk to you later.
0: Bye. Bye.